Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David Michael. And I'm Michael Carter. And we are Ridiculously Bored. David, welcome. Welcome, listeners. Um, we have a bunch of stuff we want to talk about today. Some of it kind of all over the place. So we did try to group some of them together. <laughs> I don't know how well that'll go. Um, but let's go over some technical corrections real quick. So first, Connecticut is a no-fault state from 1994 and previous. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it goes back that far. I thought it was yeah. relatively recent. So, it, so, so basically before half of our listeners were born... You were and correct. Before I ever, and before I ever moved into Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Other than those two pieces, yes. There's actually, oh though, I, I did some research. There's actually still 12 states that are no-fault states, one of which is actually New York, which surprised me. So what you said last episode, um, which made total sense, was that the reason why no-fault states exist is to get cars off the road. Right. And immediately I thought of a city like New York, San Francisco, like, absolutely. Like, get the hell out of the way because there's already traffic. Let the traffic pass and then let the insurance companies fight over it. So that that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So the states are, for anybody interested, Florida, Minnesota, Hawaii, which does Hawaii even have cars? Um, (laughs) Dude, cars are fucking expensive in Hawaii. Go to Australia, dude. Then we'll talk expensive cars. But it's the same because they're all imported. Yeah. Um, New Jersey, Kansas, New York, Kentucky, North Dakota, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Utah. So a couple quick things. Cars. In Australia, a Jetta, right, which is like twenty grand here, is U.S. equivalent about $45,000. So that's how expensive fucking cars yeah, are. Yeah, that's fucking insane. And then the other thing while I'm going through states here, and I want to be fair to my wife. She was not born in the U.S. She was born in Hong Kong. She lived most of, well, now it's split. She lived half of her life in Australia, half of her life here. We were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs the other day, and she mentioned about them playing in Kansas. Yeah, most people don't know that. And I was like, in fact, our former president got that wrong (laughs) in a very well known uh, congratulatory speech. So I'm like, you know, Kansas City's not Kansas, right? And she was like, really? (laughs) So. All right. Another technical correction. Last week, I think you meant to say the time zone change and you actually said the international. Yeah, I was trying to describe it. I think I got the point across. But yeah, the international date line is actually somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Yes. And from uh, the discussion we had last week about ticket prices, um, me and some of my friends were chatting and El Guapo says, so we started talking about the Golden Knights and the, and the fact that their opener, they played against the Kraken, and they did this amazing light show on the ice where the Kraken got destroyed by the Knights like lasers. Yeah. And El Guapo's like, wow, Vegas really knows how to put on an opening or put on a show. And my cousin Cheech said to me, he goes, that's why you pay 250 for standing room only. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I responded back because, you know, it's in, it's in a message. You don't know how to read it. I responded back. I said, hold on. I said, were you were you for me or against me? Because I can't really tell from this message. <laughs> I'm like, if you were for me, I'd like to say thanks. It's like, if you were coming at me, you can go for it yourself. But he's like, I, no, I'm supporting you. I'm supporting you. Yeah, I'm the bright side. I mean, at least the family's listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so That's hysterical. You know who else? Um, so every team has their own form of that. Like if you don't go to like I have season tickets for the Arizona State Sun Devil football. And yeah, there's there's like an opening video that gets the crowd revved up and it always involves somehow destroying the opponent team in the video. Um, so it's actually it's it's one of those things where I think it's pretty much a given no matter where you uh, watch the game, you're going to see some sort of a, of a hype video before the game that, that makes fun of the team, the visiting yeah. team. And so the last thing is we talked about the ticket prices last week. We finally did get tickets to the Raiders game that we're going to go to in a few weeks. We settled on four. Well, you guys settled on four hundred dollars, and so I, I came along. I came along for it. You fought it, kicking and screaming. Yeah, but I just want to point out because when I said one comment about it to GQ, he originally was he immediately was like, "Well, I'll get the thousand dollar tickets if that's what you want." And I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "That's what I, that's what I mean. That's why I'm, I need to." bring reel them in a little bit so yeah well i i'm not cheap by any you know stretch of the imagination but thousand dollars no i'm not I'm, there's no way i'm going to see yeah. a team a team that that no longer has a coach play football <laughs> so should we go right into that <laughs> yeah i guess we should go right into that this is a tough one this is another one where i just fucking this cancel culture just really kills me so for those that don't know, the now former head coach of the um, NFL's Las Vegas Raiders, um, he resigned because some emails that he sent out way back in 2011 mm-hmm. had derogatory comments towards gays. There were some misogynistic comments in there. And I think he, he, you know, he made fun of a black guy by saying he had lips the size of Michelin tires or something like that, which mm-hmm. is fucked up. I mean, that's never a good thing anyways. Uh, you know, so, so I agree with the heat that he's getting. But um, Derek Carr, who's the, the quarterback for the Raiders, who had a pretty good relationship with Gruden, um, he said something today in an interview that I thought was just fucking spot on. And he said, look, all right, it happened. He's getting, you know, he's getting blasted like he deserves it. It's not a good thing. But you know what? Why don't we just open everyone's emails? Yeah. All right. Let's just open, let's let's call it an even playing field and let's fucking open and let's let's look at every head coach's emails in the entire NFL going back to 2011. And and then let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. And everybody shut the fuck up right then and there. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So the emails, <laughs> the emails are definitely bad, right? And yeah. But I think I'm actually pretty good with emails. That's one thing I know if somebody can simply forward it and all that good stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I know the things I'm going to say after this, there's still ways to share it. But, you know, through friends and through chats and stuff. Oh, instant message? Fuck. Instant message, <laughs> WhatsApp. Um, we have one now, a friend, uh, Hot Chocolate's using Signal because it's even more secure and he hates Facebook. So it's all secure for things, now. <laughs> yeah. There's things that we write on there daily that would, would crush us if the public ever heard of it. And not even towards people like, not even towards a race uh, person, even to our friends, like just yeah. what we say to our friends, yeah. the things we say in there. So it's scary that like his life is over. They they talk about he lost his job, right? That's one. He's now, everybody's coming out and saying what a horrible person he is. But again, why didn't anybody say anything before this, right? This is the whole, similar to the Me Too movement, that there was a couple things that happened and then other people started talking, right? How is this person this bad for this long? Supposedly nobody said anything. 
you know, in Tampa Bay, where he won the Super Bowl, they took down his Ring of Honor honor or Ring of yeah. Ring of whatever. He's in the, the Ring Coach's of honor, Hall yeah. of Fame too. I wonder if they're going to revoke yeah. that. So it's just it's it's amazing how quick he's fallen. For as as you said, Derek Carr put it best. We all say shit like that when we're, yeah. and I'm not saying with a uh, a hateful message that he was sending. I think that's different. But I think all of us say things to our friends, and we joke around in a friendly environment that you might not ever say outside. And I'm not even talking about race or sex or cre- any of that stuff. Just in general, things we say that you're like, we can never put that in. In if somebody found out that that was in writing. So, yeah, I mean, I have a problem. I mean, so this is this is my stance on this, you know, whether you ask for it or not. Um, yeah, I didn't ask. Next topic. Yeah, <laughs> it's wrong. But as a society, we are very picky and choosy about who we choose to crucify over what they say. And I'll give you a big example, and it's going to piss off about 48, 49 percent of our listeners, but it is what it is. Donald Trump got caught wired, right? Talking about grabbing women by the pussy mm-hmm. and how easy it was to get laid basically because he can just do whatever he wants. Right. right? And half the country wrote that off as locker room talk. Okay. But in the same vein, you've got, you know, an NFL head coach or a news anchor, or the 400 other examples of this that happen in society where people literally get crucified and can no longer walk outside their house because they got caught saying something that was inappropriate. So I'm fine with if you want to, you know, if you want to do this cancel culture thing and vilify people for saying shit that shouldn't be said, but it's got to be, it's got to be across the board. It's got to be everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Someone's grandpa drops the N-word, you know, white grandpa drops the N-word because it was okay to say back in the 70s. And then the family members all of a sudden, oh, you know, that's just grandpa. He's old. He's racist, whatever, you know? No, no, it's it's not okay. Like <laughs> if, if it's going to happen to one, it has to happen to everybody. You have to hold that same standard for everybody. And that's kind of where, that that's where I have a big problem with this. It seems like we, as a society, we pick and choose who we're going to vilify. Yeah. And so, right, so that's the extreme, right? Well, he did the extreme. But let's talk about other things like mm-hmm. that normal people would not come to light, like um, <laughs> particularly UPS driver, right? That you and I were talking about the other day. So, <laughs> look, I find the humor in everything. And even horrible situations, I try to laugh about them or I make a joke about them because that's how I deal with everything, right? From the saddest moment to the happiest moment, I deal with it with humor. And so sometimes I'll read something and it immediately makes me think of a joke rather than what's actually in front. So there was a <laughs> uh, so fucked up. <laughs> there was a plane crash this week. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be laughing. It yeah. was a small plane, but the plane crashed in some town. Plane <laughs> I'm gonna get so much trouble. I guess I'll laugh. The plane crashed into <laughs> a UPS driver's truck. Right? So when I read that, the first thing I thought was, man, God I must really hate this UPS driver for a fucking crash <laughs> plane into his thing. And so you immediately called me out on it about my empathy <laughs> for the UPS driver. But 
that's the first thing I thought of. It was how I kind of handled that situation because it's such a random act. So but that also made me, it got me to thinking like I saw, um, I saw a car accident. It was like three or four weeks ago and it was an Amazon prime truck had got like T-boned at an intersection. And my first thought, I mean, I fucking use Amazon for everything. I buy fucking groceries from Amazon. I have a card that gives me points from Amazon. Like I am 100, I own Amazon stock. I am 100% bought into the Amazon ecosystem, right? So I see this Amazon truck just get T-boned. And my first thought is, fuck, I hope none of my packages were on that fucking truck. Because if they were, I'm going to be pissed not oh my god is the driver okay is the other car okay i wonder what happened my first fucking thought was i hope my fucking packages weren't on that they better be there by 10 p.m like they said <laughs> uh that's great so ups has taken a shot from us amazon fedex we seem to be fine with so there's nothing there yeah um but amazon we have there's about seven houses that were built where i live and they have basically a wide open front lawn. It's like lawn, driveway, lawn, driveway. There's nothing blocking them. So the Amazon, speaking of Amazon, the Amazon driver has taken to just grabbing a bunch of the packages, going into one of the houses, and then just walking through all the lawn. And the reason I know this is because I picked them up on my ring camera. So I can right. see him. You know, he went from the neighbor on my left to me, then to my neighbor on my right. So as I was thinking about this, I was like, I was like, this never would have happened when we were kids. Like, this is, I cannot believe these people are doing this. Normally, it would have been go to the house, go to the curb, go to the next house, go to the curb, go to the next house. And then I realized, I'm like, I am literally an old man complaining about someone. Stay off my lawn. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is embarrassing. (laughs) You've become your father. (laughs) Yes. So. That's hysterical. So what other shipping mishaps happened this week? Um. So I got a notice that my poker table's finally been shipped, right? So the thing, it, did, it didn't come yet. So this I is the seen one we've anything. been talking about for what? The last four episodes? Yes. The one that they told <laughs> me from two weeks to 14 weeks. Yeah. So it appears it's at about the six or seven week mark. But uh-huh. then it'll take another two weeks to get here because it's it's driving across the U.S. Hopefully not to get T-boned in uh, Arizona. Yeah. The issue I have is they send me a notice, your package is shipped. And then this is what the notice says. And I just want to read it word for word. It says, this is coming as basic freight delivery, which means basic curbside. There's no flights or stairs. You're not allowed to unpack. The shipper does not wait for you to unpack. And then this is the part that gets me. But all damages must be noted at time of delivery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no fucking way to do that if you can't unpack it with the guy there. Yeah, so, it's, it's it's bullshit. It's it's cover your ass terminology that gets them off the hook. The good news is, I mean, if it comes in a box, if the box is damaged, just fucking reject it. Right. Like you know that something's gonna. It's I mean it's 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 wood, right? Yeah. So so if the box is damaged, there's a good there's a good chance that the actual thing is damaged. You can just. I actually ordered a um, it was a fucking muffler. Right. It was, a, well, it was an exhaust for mufflers, not the right term, but it, it, it was an exhaust for my truck. And okay. when it arrived, apparently when they put big metal like pipes in a box and the box was like six feet by three feet by three feet. Right. It was just fucking massive. And apparently when they pack metal pipes, they don't put 
any sort of padding in there, right? <laughs> so, and you can imagine this this fucking box probably came from California or somewhere, and it came via you know UPS ground because it weighs 60, 70 pounds. They're not going to throw it on an airplane because it would cost me two hundred bucks to get it shipped. And uh, when it arrived, the box looked like somebody had just fucking thrown it off Mount Everest and it rolled <laughs> all the way down to my house. The fucking pipe was like, it had punctured the box on one end and it was sticking out and then the muffler sticking out the other end. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Thankfully, like it was, I mean, it's metal, so it's stainless steel. So it wasn't really damaged or anything like that. But Jesus Christ, I can't imagine what kind of trip that thing took to get to my house. You know, I got a, a, I don't know if you've ever gotten a letter from the post office when your letter is fucked up. <laughs> so I got a letter and it was in a new envelope with the letter from the post office with my stuff behind it, which was, had been driven over 12 times easily. It was ripped in half. And the letter was a simple, like standard form that they just checked a couple boxes. Right. And it was a box like, sorry, this was damaged. This was found in the warehouse. You know, we're returning it to you. So it's like, <laughs> and it was also like six months old. <laughs> so it was yeah. not something that was helpful. Insert non-emotional uh, yeah. letter here. Like, check the fucking box and move on. So yeah. before we end, we got to pick on FedEx. That seems to be the only thing left. <laughs> Do you have something for FedEx? I don't. I got nothing. But I don't. I got nothing. So, yeah. Can we talk about stupid people? Sure. Let's I mean, it. I, I, it, it feels like it's going to be like the common theme throughout this episode. So maybe we come up with a title based upon that topic. But I've been following this, this as we've talked about it for a couple of episodes now, but I've been following this, this case with Gabby Petito and, and Brian Laundrie. I mean, the whole fucking mm -hmm. country knows about it. Um, so, I, I mean, number one, it's going to be, if they do catch this guy, it's going to be impossible for him to get a fair trial because the whole world knows about it, right? So you, you're not going to find impartial jurors because this guy's already been convicted, tried, and is ready to be hung just in the media alone, let alone, you know, in a court of law. But um, there's a couple of problems that just as a parent really fucking just drive me absolutely nuts. Number one is... The missing persons report, the filing of the missing persons report, because okay. the last known contact this family had with their daughter and, uh, you know, I mean, ugh, as a parent, this drives me nuts. They talked to her on the 20, I think it was the 25th or the 27th of August. All right. That and and and, and knowingly say, we don't think that was her. All right. So if you don't think that now, you probably don't think. You know, you don't think that was the case then. Maybe not. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, that's because it was via text message, right? It was that text last message. Communication. Yeah. Correct. So, so boyfriend shows up at home minus the girlfriend, minus their daughter on September 1st. Okay. A missing persons report is filed on the 10th, but not doesn't actually make it because they... They had to file it in, in multiple states or something like that because it was Wyoming versus New York versus Florida. They're working across the country, and there's a protocol you have to follow to file a missing persons report. Not only that, as everyone knows, anyone who's watched any sort of crime drama on TV, you have to wait 24 hours, right? From the time that you contact them, they're like, wait 24 hours. If you don't hear from them by then, then file the report, which is bullshit. But anyways, it is what it is. By the way, the statistic to note here is that most FBI, most slash criminal investigators will say that the first 48 hours of a missing persons case are absolutely the most important. If you don't find them in 48 hours, like 95% of the time, they're dead. 
and they're telling you to wait one day of yeah. that. So they 24 cut that of those 40 right days. in half. On, on day one, you're just basically cutting the stats in half and you're saying, yeah, let's, let's jack that survival rate up to like 99.9% because we're not going to allow you to file a missing persons report. But the family waited 11 days after the boyfriend showed up at his house without their daughter. And, and look, I mean, I want to, I want to have sympathy for them. It sucks. I can't imagine what they're going through, but as a parent, I would have been going through that on September 1st and September 2nd and September 3rd and the 4th, all the way through the 11th when the actual missing persons report was filed. All right. So that drives me absolutely fucking nuts. I want to know why. Okay. As a parent, I want to know why you waited 10 days. Now, is it possible that the reason they were waiting, and unlike um, David, who is a, appears to be a cop and an FBI on, on his off days, <laughs> is it just the, you don't want to admit that this is what's happening, and that's why you're waiting to do it? I, I don't know. I mean, you know what? Maybe there's a good justification in there for it. I just, as a parent, I just can't, in my mind, figure out what that is. And I'm dying to know what that reasoning was. So I, I may never know. I may just, just be hateful for the rest of my life, but I just, I want to know because it just drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah. But the thing that takes this case to the next level is the stupid shit that people are doing in the media and elsewhere, right? Um, everyone does their, uh, you know, private research, their, you know, uh, independent research on their own. So everyone's kind of an expert like myself. I'm an <laughs> FBI agent in my, my spare time, right? <laughs> Is this going to end where they think he's under the flower bed at the parents' house? Is oh, that that, that's, so that's it? one of the theories. And someone's got a video that shows like the mom potentially handing an arm underneath the flower bed, some food or whatever, whatever. Anyways, um, if the FBI let that one slip, then fucking fire the entire department. And then like, so just light a match and burn the whole thing down. Um, but the funny thing was I saw people started doing age progression photos of, of him? Brian, of Brian Laundry. So right? like, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't change a lot in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, it's been a month since he's been seen, right? There's a picture of him in early September at, at, at the camping ground. His pic, his, his sister took it and they, they handed that over. And so the media has it, right? So, and he's completely bald shaven, like maybe a little bit, maybe like a day's worth of growth on his hair. All right. Last time I checked, the human hair grows about a, a quarter to a half inch per month. All right. So it's been a month. So some of these photos got him looking like the fucking Unabomber. He's got like, he, he looks like Keanu Reeves on a bad day. He's got a full head of hair and a fully grown beard. And I'm just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Just like basic common sense tells you that there's no fucking way. Not only that, this guy is 90% bald. Like he's going bald, like not, he's having a hard time growing hair on a good day, let alone when he's out in the elements, surviving off of scraps and squirrel meat and whatever the hell he's eating, right? And he's probably lost 15 to 20 pounds they've gone on and given this guy like this complete fucking makeover. And they're like, this is the guy that you're looking for. It's Keanu Reeves from fucking John Wick. <laughs> so I'm, I'm making a list. I'm going to put a medical expert on your list of what you do. <laughs> I'm just going to write that down real quick. Come on, dude. It's common sense. Yeah. I, I, I've 
I think this is going to end with, and, and I don't know if this is for the best or the worst, but I think he's going to end this guy killing himself at some point. Um, well, I mean, if he's guilty, I hope he does. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't deserve an easy way out. But is this still you're still going to think he's innocent? Thing? No, no. Uh, I, again, I believe in the justice system. I believe in you know innocent until proven guilty. Um, obviously, all of the facts that we have, which unfortunately are kind of you know blurred by the media, all the facts that we have point to him being ridiculously guilty. I'm sorry, but if your if your loved one dies, you don't run. You don't go on the run, no matter well, what. He, right? Yeah. The the biggest thing is. He could easily put this whole issue to bed if he just comes forward and says, no, these are the reasons why, right? But what'll happen is he'll come forward and I don't think he'll be able to say that. And so I think it'll go down real quick. But you're right. People are innocent until proven guilty, except for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except for him. <laughs> and OJ. Yeah. <laughs> well, OJ was guilty. In, he was actually guilty till proven innocent. <laughs> That's a whole different story. Hey, if the glove doesn't fit, you, you have to acquit. acquit. That's right. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about a little bit of a different um, death of someone. So for those who don't know, and most of you listening probably do, I am a massive Trent Reznor fan. I've loved Nine Inch Nails from the very beginning. Loved everything about it, all the music, seen him in concert, all of that good stuff that goes along with it. And I know I say them, even though it's really him, and he lets a couple other you know, people into his little mix there. So I was reading an article on him recently. And so he's recently significantly changed his style, right? So he always had his industrial sounding music with lyrics. Last few years, he's gotten into um, the Danny Elfman phase, they're called. Oh, yeah, he's where, a composer now. He's, yeah, doing he's a composer. So it's a lot of the same music and noise, but he's not singing anymore. So that was part of the transition. Now, during the pandemic, so this this guy, you got if you don't know what he looks like, look up old um, photos of him, especially. Now he looks a little bit more what I'll call quote unquote normal. But look up old photos of him from the late 90s. And in this article, he's talking about how he has spent most of the pandemic watching Peppa Pig with his kids. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who was sung, I want to fuck you like an animal in one song, talking about fucking the establishment, getting over on things. Um, you know, all of his songs have some form of S&M to them. He is talking about watching Peppa Pig with his fucking kids. That's what yeah. he's doing now. It's, you know what, it's, it's, it's shows his maturity and growth as a human being. Yeah. We all go through that punk rock phase, right? We all go through the fuck the establishment phase. Yeah. I'm still there though. Yeah. <laughs> even, though, even though I am the establishment now, it's part of the problem. Um, That's hysterical. Right. So I want to revisit Miami. Oh, okay. So. Please not the Miami I, Dolphins. No. The part I want to revisit is. GQ, we talked about GQ had the girl he was dating at the time come out with us. Mm -hmm. You know, if she came to dinner, he wanted to have her around every single minute. I, I made a big stink about it. Yeah. So fast forward about six, seven weeks later, he's actually broken up with her. For now. So for now, yeah. he's uh, He has that that up and down thing, you know, like, oh, it, it's not like the teenagers who do it. Like, oh, I hate you. I don't want to see you this week. And then they get back together. But you know, they go through their waves, right? And he's done it before. He'll probably do it again. Um, but 
I found it pretty funny and I was giving him a hard time. I'm like, man, you made this big deal about her being out with us and all this different stuff. And then he breaks up with her. So um, I just thought it was interesting that now she's gone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I don't want to air his dirty laundry. So let's move on. (laughs) Have you ever gone antique shopping? Um, I guess in a way. So, and I guess this ties into the whole Trent Reznor thing, but Trent Reznor actually is also a hero of mine. Um, I am very much right now into electronic music and both from a listening perspective and a, and a creating perspective. And all my life, I've always been a collector. I love collecting things, baseball cards, comic books. Um, for a while it was guitars and guitar equipment wives wives <laughs> that's a good one that's a great one <laughs> wives women um and and since i started creating you know electronic dance music i um i started collecting vintage synthesizers and 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 nine inch nails specifically trent Reznor, was a big fan and user of Moog products. Moog is a, is a music company that dates back to like the 40s and 50s, I believe. But they have one of like the more expensive, super authentic, like, you know, uh, retro sounding, you know, synthesizers that's out there. You'll hear it in almost every Nine Inch Nails track. Um, but also you'll, um, he, he's just a big, like a, a vintage collector of stuff. You'll see him, even Dave Grohl. Like I've seen interviews with yeah. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters where he bought like the soundboard that Michael Jackson used to like record some ridiculously famous song or album on so that he can have it in his studio because it had this authentic, like, you know, warm vintage sound to it. So, so from an antique perspective, um, antique, like, musical equipment 100% if I see something at a garage sale or even on eBay or there's a site called reverb that has um, like antique like you know reused or used music equipment hell yeah I'm all over that shit I love it all right so in in a couple towns up from us there is this kind of antique row they call it, it has a name but it, I, I don't remember what it was but they call it antique row in essence and so I went to a couple of the stores. My kid had a baseball game right near there. I went to a couple of stores that were there. And to me, there's antiques. And then there's somebody's old shit that they just have lying around. <laughs> right? And so a couple of these stores had, obviously, some of them had, like, you know, the 1920s furniture, the old rugs, some of the, you know, glasses and shit like that that had the lead in it. So it always had different colors, stuff like that. They had a bunch of that. But this one place I went to, and it was massive. It was two stories. It was basically a warehouse that must have been converted to something and then converted to this. So it was about nine or ten rooms, and I ended up walking through all of them. And it was literally just the person's shit that they had around their house. And so one, I'm wondering, how the fuck do they stay in business? (laughs) What are they actually selling? One man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. How frequently are they making sales? And then the other thing was, there's a lot of spiderwebs on this stuff. So yeah. this stuff's not even moving, <laughs> being looked at, touched. So I, I just, you're right, though. It's one man's junk is another man's gold. You know, that kind of one man's garbage is another man's gold, whatever the saying is. But it was shocking to me just how it's really just shit that was around that house. Yeah. 
it's all I can think of, and I've been to a couple of those in the past. I think last time I was in San Francisco, I went through like, I think it was actually a museum, so I can't call it an antique place. But anytime I go through one of those places, all I could think of is, man, this would make a really good set for a horror film. Yeah. I mean, just some of the shit that's in there is just super creepy, super dated. And yeah, the spider webs and the dust, that doesn't help at all. For yeah, sure. and they, at this place, they could have been like, I'm going to kill him with this 1940 flat iron that has <laughs> you know no plug that was just lead. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting. Uh, I, I just I could not believe the amount of crap that was in there. Shocking. So did and you like buy then you no, I didn't buy anything. I actually was looking. I was like, maybe I'll get you like an old typewriter or something to put on your shelf behind you. Oh, but yeah. it was just it was all shit. See, so stuff like like stuff like that. I love shit like that. Like stuff that has like. Like where my buddy uh, is is throwing a Halloween party. He does it every year. This year, he always picks a theme, right? This year, the theme is anything from your childhood. So, which, you know, brings back all sorts of things that I could possibly go as, right? But um, anything that's really kind of reminiscent of the era that I grew up, and I'll bring this back full circle to my, you know, obsession with like antiquated musical equipment. Any synthesizers that were used to make like 80s, music i fucking love i love the sound i love the feel of them i love the fact that it's got dust on it i love that when you press a key it's like half out of tune it's like all that shit really just puts me in a in a in a in a like a moment from my childhood and i just love that shit like there's a there's a whole genre of edm music called synthwave and it's all, if you ever watched Stranger Things on Netflix, mm -hmm. it's that type of music. It's literally them. It's it's people m creating new music that sounds like it was made in the 80s. Well, you it's said fucking awesome. You said the instrument was called a Moog synthesizer. Moog, isn't it? yeah. Moog, Moog is isn't that company. also what the music style is called? Isn't it called Moog style music? No, I mean, Moog's one of like probably a half a dozen really big companies. Roland, Yamaha. Um, Korg, these are all companies that made, these are all electronics companies that made basically fucking computers that create sound. I mean, it's literally like the early version of a computer, but their sole purpose in being was to generate some sort of a sound from it. And it just, a, a bunch of people like jumped on board. And the funny thing about some of these like old synthesizers is back in the eighties, like 81, 82, you ever watched the movie Blade Runner? The entire Blade yeah. Runner soundtrack was made off of this, Yeah, I think it was Yamaha CS80 is the name of it. Um, and I think back then it was like two grand or five grand to buy this keyboard synthesizer, which back then was a lot of fucking money, right? Mm -hmm. um, like you can't get one of these for less than $70,000 now. They only made like, I think like 1,200 of them because they were too fucking expensive. So... Nobody wanted them. So a bunch of studios ended up buying them for, you know, musicians to make music off of. And then they stopped selling them. But now, like, you go on eBay and they're fucking seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 for these things if you can find one that works. So it's crazy how the value on some of this shit has gone up. So can I guess what you're going to go as then to this party? You're either going to go as somebody from Devo, right? It's perfect because they were into all that sync music stuff. Or wouldn't be bad to go and talk to Blackface though. Herbie Hancock. 
because you are a dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so actually, Herbie Hancock new. drums up. I think that's a little bit from like the late 70s, early 80s. But yeah, Herbie Hancock definitely brings up some memories. No, actually, the wife and I were talking about potentially going as E.T. and Elliot. Uh, she, for some reason, she was like, I want to be E.T. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm fucking, I ain't putting makeup on, so I'll be Elliot. <laughs> I'll go get a red hoodie and call it a day <laughs> and get like a BMX bike. Like, done. For E.T., she can't go in brown face. There's some, they can't do that nowadays. I, yeah, you know? I have no idea how she's going to pull that off, but um, she's she's pretty good at makeup and all that other shit. So I, I, I would not be surprised if it looks pretty damn epic. So I don't, did I ever tell you my E.T. story? I don't know if I no. ever told you this. Tell it. In 1982, when that movie came out, I was about 10 years old, and we were at a, and every Saturday night when we were when I was growing up, we usually got together at a family member's house, right? All the uncles played cards, all the aunts were like in the other room bullshitting, um, and all the kids would hang out in one of the, a couple of the rooms. I remember being at some of those parties that were at your house. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, the uncles get into some massive fucking arguments over oh, a hand yeah. of cards. And just so you know, at the end of the night, if you had a horrible night, you lost $9. <laughs> like that. <laughs> that was the stakes they played. There was a point where one of two of my uncles didn't talk for a couple of weeks because they were, <laughs> everybody always had to be right, which. That's actually a tradition in our family. <laughs> yeah, I didn't speak Italian as a kid, but I knew all the curse words and holy yeah. shit, were there a lot of curse words. So, so we're at one of my cousin's house, one of my aunt's house, uncles, and th there's always been a, a kind of a divide in the cousin group. There's ones that are 10 years older. There's a good group of them. Then there's my group. There's about six or seven of us who are around my age. And then there's another group that's about five years younger than us, right? So that's how we've always been split up. Mm -hmm. so just like when you're eating dinner and thanksgiving you eventually move from the kid table to the adult table those type things right. all of my older cousins were going to see et and they wouldn't let us go and et is basically the most fucking family friendly movie out there ever probably so i had a personal vendetta against et which lasted and this poor little guy he had nothing to do with it. It lasted from 1990, uh, 1982 until I started dating somebody in 97 who it came up to her, this exact story. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're holding this grudge. You got to go see it. So she made me go see it. So for 15 years, I wouldn't watch this fucking movie because my older cousin's wouldn't let us go to, to with them to see it. That's hysterical. We've talked about this way early in the podcast about like, you know, wanting our children to enjoy the movies that we grew up on, right? And you would think E.T. is this wholesome family movie, right? So when my kids were like three and six, maybe four and seven, I'm like, you gotta watch this movie. So I go out, I buy the fucking DVD, I put it on the TV and they're watching it and they loved it. But the scene where, and this is where as a parent, like, you're like, holy shit, I didn't realize there was like bad language in this movie. It's PG, right? Well, PG in 1980 was not the same as PG in, in 2021. So um, the scene where they're riding on the bikes away from the feds or whoever they're running from, I don't even remember. E.T. makes all the bikes go up in the air. And then it's that famous scene where you see the bike yep. kind of, you know, across the moonlight. Um, as soon as the bike lifts off, Elliot goes, holy shit. And as a parent, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, damn it. And both of my kids are laughing hysterically. 
And my six or seven year old daughter goes, he just said, holy shit. And I'm like, you can't say that. Like, no, that's a bad word. You can't like, here I am. Like I forced this movie on them. They're loving it, but then, and they react to it. And I'm like, no, that's bad. And they're like, what did I do, dad? Well, there's the other side of that, which is not the bad language. So the movies had some, but I don't know what the ratings are on these, but they definitely weren't hard. But you have like Stripes, Caddyshack. Oh, um, R. R. yeah. Oh, those are all R movies. They're all R rated movies. Oh. Yeah. You didn't tell me had... you didn't want to make your kids watch those fucking movies. <laughs> no, no, I'm scared to put on some of those old movies. El Guapo's going through some of them with his kids, and he keeps messaging me like, "Oh man, this has fucking this and this in it. I yeah. should watch it with them." <laughs> So, so there's, I mean, obviously I don't use it anymore because my kids are all grown up, but there's a great fucking app. God, what's it called? I'm going to see. I think I still have it in my phone. Um, and it literally is exactly what you and I are talking about. You put in a movie and it tells you what age group it's okay. And then if it's like borderline, it'll say like ET at, you know, 43 minutes and 32 seconds, Elliot says the word shit. And yeah. so you can immediately know, okay, this is like, this is okay. Or do I, it'll say like, there's some sexual situations. Be prepared to have that conversation with your kids after the movie's over. Like, it's pretty fucking good. I think I have that app. I think it's called Mr. Skin. <laughs> no, yeah. <that's> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's not Mr. Skin. For those who don't know, one of the very early websites was Mr. Skin, mm-hmm. which is, it documents every single place that you can see nudity in a movie let's be realistic you're just jealous because we could have easily done that and fucking built that website and known every movie and every scene (laughs) yes he thought of it first yes when we went to colorado a few weeks ago you know we we hadn't we didn't have like dishes we didn't have like pans and pots and all that shit to cook food right Plus, we're like, hey, it's a new area. Let's explore the area every night for dinner. So we went out every night, like a new restaurant, just trying to get a feel for what um, what kind of food is in the area. And of course, we found just these great restaurants. And the one thing I love about the area is like in Phoenix, everything is a chain. There's very few like mom and pop, like, you know, one-off shops. In, in the Denver area where we live, um, where we have the condo, it's just all like mom and pop stuff, which is just fucking awesome. We love it. And we're big foodies. So we'll, we'll go out to a different restaurant every night. Well, in that fucking week, I put on almost 10 pounds <laughs> in a week. That's right? a lot in a week. dude. It's a lot. That fucking takes effort. Right. So, um, so we got back home and I'm like, holy shit. Like I, we just can't keep doing this. So I, I gotta, I gotta lose weight. So, uh, immediately I'm like diet mode, like I'm skipping breakfast, like all this shit. Right. And by the way, I've lost like seven pounds since we've got back. Just, but, just a quick question. What is this thing you call diet? <laughs> <laughs> I but, <laughs> but one of the things I'm not willing to give up is my like treats, like my desserts, like love my desserts. Right. Want to have ice cream, want to have toasted almond if I can ever find it fucking again. Right. So my wife um, finds this, uh, you know, those drumstick ice cream. It's like a cone Mm -hmm. that's got vanilla ice cream dipped in chocolate and it's got like nuts nuts on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Those things, those things were like fucking six inches long by like four inches around. Like they're massive. Right. Well, she finds these quote unquote diet drumsticks. They're just the minis probably. They're like two inches big. Yeah, but you still get the cone, you still get the vanilla ice cream, and you still got the chocolate dip, right? And they're only like 
70, 80 calories each. Yeah, but do so you eat two or three of them? I plan my fucking week around these goddamn drumsticks, right? Like, you know, it, immediately I'm like, all right, so that's like what? I can eat like seven of them per night, right? And she's like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, that's that's not how dieting works. See, that's my problem. I buy sometimes those hundred calorie treats, but then I have like three of them. <laughs> like, it totally defeats the fucking purpose totally of having does. this hundred calorie bag. It's portion control, yeah. So, so I, she's and they're they're amazing. I mean, they they're as good as the real thing, but obviously they're bite sized. So it's like, chump. It's like the fucking uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie roll pop? One, two, three, crunch. Right? Yeah. They're done in like three bites. And so yeah, so my entire day is spent eagerly looking forward to dessert at like seven or eight o'clock and then one, two, three bites and I'm done. And like it's, just, it's the biggest disappointment. Twelve year old, they do that. <laughs> they <laughs> it's do like the, the biggest thing. disappointment in my entire life, but I look forward to it all day long for these fucking treats. Yeah. So that's great. I won't even make the joke about your wife looking forward to something all day and then one, two, three, it's done. I won't even make, I won't, I won't even make the joke. Oh wait, I didn't make the joke. I did you make did the make joke. the joke. All right. Well, time's getting up there, but I want to see if there's any last minute things you want to go over. Anything else? No, we'll, we'll postpone right. it for next week. All right. So, David, can you talk a little bit about for anybody who's interested? You don't have to. It's, it's obviously personal choice. Do what you want to do. But you added a link. Well, our our, um, our podcast now has a link on the bottom for support. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, what I did was um, I took ridiculouslybored.com, the domain and linked it to our main kind of podcast page where you can link to all the different formats that we have on it. All right. So it's where, you know, it's kind of a jumping off point if you know, but if you're listening to this already, you already know this probably you're on Spotify, you're on Apple music, which is probably like 80% of the people that listen to us. You already have a platform. You're already listening to us through that platform. For anybody else, there's like 10, 12 other platforms that we're available on. But more importantly on that page, is a support link and if you choose to um we don't we don't do ads here we don't ask for money we don't do anything of that this does cost us money we did buy all the equipment for it we do pay for the hosting and we do pay for the the service of being able to record this stuff and have these video slash audio conversations so if you want to support us go to ridiculouslyboard.com click on the support link and you could uh, make a donation of however much you want and uh, and support us so not required, uh, but we would be uh, gratefully appreciative if you did. And thanks for listening. I will also say that the actual Apple podcast has it on the bottom of the weekly information as well. Oh, cool. I did not know that. that link. All right. With that, I'm Michael Carter. And I'm David Michael. And we are Ridiculously, Ridiculously Bored. bored.